Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Hill Pursuit Podcast. This is episode 33. It's July 13, 2021. Um, This is likely going to be our part three of our um, hypertrophy and compound lifts episode. We're going to see where that takes us. But um, in the meantime, I'm Hayden. This is Mitch. Mitch, what's going on? Not much, man. Yeah. Everything's good. How about you? Doing well? Yeah, good here. Um, Before we got on, you said you were rolling a little bit yesterday. How'd that go for you? It went well. Um, Went back-to-back classes. Just uh, first class was a fundamentals class. So um, not as intense, just a lot of uh, of technique work, which is really good. And you you can't forget that. And then uh, second class did... Jacked up the intensity a little bit, went live at the end, and elbows felt good. It's my first day. I took last week off, and then um, so nice. we'll see how it feels as I keep being consistent here. Probably just be more, uh, have more focus on the recovery aspect of things. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, nice. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for myself, I'm. This is a down week for me. I had three big weeks. Um, little bit of a down week this week or I guess a lot of it which is which is nice because those three weeks were pretty um pretty high volume uh so really starting to get into some bigger volume sessions and weeks and um you know I think I'm like nine weeks out eight or nine that's crazy nine yeah so um definitely I'm feeling more of a mental mental game um, because I'm pretty sure I could will myself through it with intelligent, um, race management, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get some decent, some more fitness out of these last eight, nine weeks if I can, and then, uh, really just play it smart and give it a go in September. So yeah, it's getting exciting. Um, <laughs> I imagine there'll be some really big weeks in the next i'm guessing there's going to be like two more blocks is what i would guess but we go on like a week basis based off uh how i'm feeling how things are going so uh we'll see how that goes but yeah dude recently i had i had this like incredible run it was just like what is today tuesday it was two days ago actually it was sunday i had a 90 minute run planned and i convinced my wife to come with me and my sister was in town. So we went out and actually she brought her daughter too. So, um, there were four of us kind of just going for a little jog and they all went about a half hour. So they, they went about 30 minutes. They went about 30 minutes of a walk run, which was fine. Cause it was an easy 90 minute run. You got rooms uh, in the background. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, no, I think there's a dog walking past my house. Oh, oh, so that, yeah. that makes my dog freak out. <laughs> yeah, Mine, mine's asleep right next to me. So it's, uh, we're still waking up with coffee over here. But anyway, so 30 minutes, super, super light, which was fine. And then I just had about another hour of my own. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you ever experienced this. It's like runner's high, 
I blogged about it the other day, but uh-huh. dude, I felt it for sure. And really? the back part of that run, like that last hour of the run, I was just starting to throw up like some really fast splits for how I was feeling. And it was supposed to just be an easy run, but mm-hmm. I was just feeling so incredible. I just kept increasing my, my pace. And so why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. and I felt literally no fatigue after the run. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sore at all that the rest of that day or the next day. Like I definitely felt it. And I, I can only, I, I even blogged about it. I don't think I've ever felt that before, except one time when I was running track in high school, <laughs> it was yeah. like in the middle of a track workout and it was just crazy. Like I, I literally have never felt that aside from that one single time. And then I just felt it again on Sunday. It was really cool. Like, and I even said in the blog, I don't even know what the mechanism of that is. I imagine some sort of endorphin release or, uh, you know, just kind of happens. Um, the Holy grail. I, yeah. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. I could have run for days. I felt like, and I just, it, it was just a really cool feeling. So yeah, I had a really awesome run on Sunday. Um, but yeah, that was the last big, big run of that week. And this week's just really chill. So I got a little bike in this morning. I have a really, really short run this afternoon just to kind of keep the legs, legs rolling. But, um, that's really all I have to report on my end. Um, pretty straightforward stuff for me, but, um, yeah, let's, let's keep this, uh, let's keep this hypertrophy and compound lifts thing going. Um, part one. So we didn't even know this would be a multiple part, a little series. We just wanted it to be a discussion that we had, but, um, part one, I guess was, let me find the date. It was two episodes ago. Um, episode 31. Yeah. 31. And it was June 28, just hypertrophy and compound lifts. And then we came back and all we hit on in that episode was um, lo- some lower body stuff. So deadlift and, and back squat specifically came back for part two. Part two was on July eight, And then today, and that was uh, mainly upper body. Um, and then today we're going to, we'll see if it's wrapping up, but we'll talk about part three, which um, we're kind of going to start with, how hypertrophy works with, um, or works around or with, or integrates, um, Olympic lifting or some more explosive type movements. Some even, even plyometrics, I guess we can go into a little bit, but that, that type of short, quick burst, high force output type of, uh, you know, energy system movement, whatever we're, whatever we're discussing, but looking back through some of our, um, looking back through some of our listening, uh, like the, the stats of you guys listening, it seems like you guys really like the hypertrophy discussion. So that's cool. So we're going to keep that going. Here's part three, uh, episode 33, um, Olympic lifts. Now, where do you want this to go? How do you want to start this one off? Yeah, for, I think we'll just give a brief synopsis of what Olympic lifts are. If people aren't familiar, um, they might be doing them and not even know their Olympic lifts. Um, so Olympic lifts, common, you got clean, snatch, um, power clean, and then any kind of uh, 
push jerk and they they can get mixed and missed matched so many ways and there's different variations that people do whether you're pulling off the floor or pulling from a knee um so essentially most of the time they're being done for what like they're a dynamic movement so it fast um i for me personally when i think of olympic lifts i do not think of volume work whatsoever um how about you? I know, I, mean, I think CrossFit may have introduced a little bit of uh, volume work for the Olympic lifts. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I yeah. think that's probably the only sport where I um, I will think Olympic lifts in a volume type setting. Um, you know, you think of the Olympics and there's Olympic, yeah. it's usually a, a max output, just a one rep. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to Olympic lifts, you can integrate Olympic lift training within a hypertrophy block. Mm-hmm. You can do it in a, in different ways and some may be better than others, but um, specifically as it relates to that movement itself, I would definitely agree and say that programming for an Olympic lift should not be in the rep- repetition range of what we would consider more traditional hypertrophy and endurance as you know around that 12 or 15 repetition range we you know we we typically don't want to you're not going to see you know 65 percent for 12 repetitions of um a squat clean and jerk right you're just I was actually thinking about that last night like because i knew we were podcasting today and i was like thinking about a program and i was just thinking to myself what have you ever seen written on a program hang cleans three sets for 15 to 20 reps yeah you don't you don't exactly. you should, yes. it is the reason too you shouldn't right. mm-hmm. um you know i guess this it's a whole different discussion which we're not really going to dive into right now in terms of how that manifests and you referred you know you referred to the sport i guess of crossfit and that's right. that's a different discussion entirely and you know you feel however you feel about it. My opinion of, of how, how that programming um, is created or, or how it, how it works or can work or, or doesn't work, I guess, um, has changed over time also. So it might not be a bad discussion to have one day, but um, yeah, we're not, let's just kind of stay away from that for right now and just talk about maybe how, how Olympic lifts can be, incorporated into more of like a hypertrophy block so let's just say you know we have a a strength power block six weeks maybe a retest or a down week and then we move into more of a hypertrophy slash hypertrophy endurance block or or whatever right so um but but with uh with this athlete or with yourself um olympic lifts are important and you know um we still want to be performing them. So as soon as we get into a hypertrophy endurance block, that doesn't mean Olympic lifting has to go away, right? Because, mm-hmm. well, you know, it doesn't have to go away at all. But, um, you know, why, why, why do we typically not see or not program um, Olympic lifts at, like you said, that three by 15? I mean, the first thing to go um, is going to be form, right? Um, three sets of 15 at, you know, a, a submaximal intensity of a total body compound movement, um, 
is is going to lead to a a few at least a few bad repetitions most more than likely mm-hmm. now the, now the weight's light um so we're not you know not saying you're going to automatically get injured if you do this stuff but um we talked about this before as it as it pertains to every every the last two parts of this little series here we talked about it in terms of the deadlift the back squat um upper body horizontal and vertical pressing in terms of what goes first and it's form when you're fatigued um your form is is going to be compromised and when when you're um throwing and catching and absorbing weight which is what happens more more so in olympic lifting than your traditional strength or power lifts like a back squat a deadlift a bench press there's a lot more chance of injury right yeah so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously, through everything we talked about so far, form is the underlying theme that's going to break down first. And I think out of all the lists that we talked about, um, the are the the Olympic lists are probably probably getting in the more technical side of of a compound movement that we're going to be going through here. There's a lot going on in a a clean, a lot going on in a snatch, and. I just, I don't think it's, I don't, I period, I just don't think it's smart to train at a high volume for that. I think there's a lot that can go wrong. And um, the risk versus the reward is kind of, uh, I don't think it's there. And the purpose of the Olympic lift is to move the bar fast. And if you're getting to that 20 rep range, you're not going to be moving the bar fast anymore. And to me, they're, they are a fast movement. They're, um, that's why they're there. That's usually why you see, people doing in the beginning as a dynamic part of their, their session. Um, and I think uh, I actually just took some notes here. Whenever, when I put a program together, I, I have five components of training that I will never neglect. It's mobility, dynamic work, strength, volume, and conditioning. And that's pretty much laid out in the order that when I would train them, uh, it's usually like my mobility and my da- dynamics. So dynamics going to be there number two for me. And I'm not going to do volume work at that point. And if I want to put volume work in, I'm not going to go back and do an Olympic lift. I think it's too, like I said, I'm just going to keep reiterating. It's, it's kind of going around a wheel. I think the technique there to do any kind of volume work is pointless. I think if you want to do volume work in any kind of dynamic movement, use a different modality, whether it's a kettlebell, you know, you can do kettlebell cleans, um, Medicine ball slams. I think those where you can start adding in for some volume work where you're doing 15, 20 reps, you know, um, the form is not there. And if you, if you do mess up, it's, you're not, you're probably not going to, it's probably going to be pretty minimal in terms of technique wise. So if we're in, um, yeah, I like that. And we'll, we'll really dive more into alternatives to Olympic lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end, kind of like we have uh, with the other two parts in this in this little series. But yeah, absolutely. Kettlebells, dumbbells, med balls. We'll talk about all that stuff. But um, let's say we're just in a hypertrophy block and we literally have an athlete or it's you, for example, who um, is improving in Olympic lifting. And this hypertrophy block is six to eight weeks. You know, there's alternatives to, to getting the volume. But like you said, and I completely agree, Olympic lifting is really very, very technical and it's highly skilled, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have skills, 
like skill components of fitness or health. Um, if we neglect those skills, then we can lose those skills. So, mm -hmm. so let's say this person, this, this, uh, this athlete wants to continue Olympic lifting, you know, and, and you're not prescribing it at those intensity. How is it prescribed for me? I would, I would initially think that, um, you know, you said beautifully that the, the whole purpose of Olympic lifting is to move whatever the resistance is called a barbell, move it quickly, move it fast, mm -hmm. absorb it, if it absorb it efficiently, all that stuff. So, um, I would think that the way it could be implemented is, you know, at the hypertrophy intensity, which is, you know, 50, 65, whatever the percentage is very quick work, perfect technique, small number of repetitions. I like that. Keep the speed. So you're still, you're still performing the movement and you're still working on the skill of the, the push, the pull, the catch, all that stuff. You're still working on the skill of the lift, but you're just perfecting it at lesser intensity. So we can even go the whole way down to, I don't think you really need to, it depends on the athlete, but go the whole way down to just the dowel rod, mm -hmm. you know, just work on the skill of the movement during a hypertrophy block, put on yeah. a little bit of weight, keep it super, super light. You know, if you know your percentages then no heavier than I would say about 65%, three to five quick repetitions, perfect movement, perfect technique, a couple yeah. sets, just keep the skill and keep the practice of the movement throughout the block without putting that movement into the traditionally programmed volume of a hypertrophy block. Yeah, like I, I think that's I think that's a very good way to implement it. I like that a lot. Five to eight sets. I mean, you could do one one to five reps, one to three reps, 10, 10 singles with like thirty seconds rest in between. It's yeah. no different than if uh, you're doing a dynamic a, a dynamic squat. You know, ten by ten by two to three reps. You're only usually taking a minute, no different. Your form's precise. You're moving the bar fast. I think that's, uh, I think that's the most applicable way to apply it and a smart way to apply it. Um, so yeah, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head on that one. Yeah, that's, that's definitely one way. That's probably more of a, as I'm, I'm, as I'm saying it and listening to you say it back and then looking at the note I just took, it's like, that's probably more of a hypertrophy endurance block, mm -hmm. but if it's a hypertrophy strength block, it'd probably be a little bit different, right? Because, and the other thing is just as a reminder, hypertrophy is, refers to an increase in muscle size, increasing in muscle size can then lead to improved strength and power, right? So there's definitely crossover between training hypertrophy and strength and power even though hypertrophy's primary goal is literally just muscle size and not necessarily the application of that muscle to strength and power, but there is a crossover. So if we're in a hypertrophy strength or a hypertrophy power block, I think Olympic lifting in that sense could be that one to three repetitions per set. But instead of like you said, like 10 sets, just keeping it super, super light, one to three reps um, at a moderate, more of a strength intensity. So somewhere around 80, 
but literally just one to three reps, maybe two sets, just so, just so you're feeling a little bit of resistance. It's still light enough that you're able to practice the movement. Um, and you're not overloading it to like that 93, you know, high strength and power output, uh, percentage. So what do you think about that? How's, how do you think, you know, there's gotta be a difference in those two blocks, right? There's a hypertrophy endurance. There might be a hypertrophy power block and we're Olympic lifting throughout. So I think the way we outlined how it would fall into more of a hypertrophy endurance would, I think that's spot on. And I think that's a really good way to kind of just practice the movements at a light weight, but so gotta be a little different for more of a hypertrophy power block. Right. Yeah, I think it depends what your other, what you're doing for the strength and what you're sure. doing. I, you know, I'm, I get what you're saying for, there's going to be a difference if you're doing, if your just goal is dynamic and your goal is strength. Um, obviously there is going to be a difference, but you also have to look at what, what are the other aspects of your volume work, your strength work look like? I think if you're doing volume, I think if you are, say the primary, primary, primary goal, can't talk this morning. If your primary goal of your whole block for that time is volume, you're just trying to get a lot of volume in. Maybe your volume work won't come in the Olympic lifting. Maybe you will keep it in that 85% to um, still get touch a little bit heavier weight. You know, you can dabble in both. Um, and maybe in your strength block, you come back to do dynamic in the Olympic lifts. You know, it's, it doesn't all have to, to me, I, I don't always get caught up in the block. I think you can train different aspects. You know, even if I'm going heavy strength or I'm focused, I'm just trying to get stronger. My dynamic work probably isn't going to be, um, relative on like the strength. It's not going right, to be, right, right. it's going to be lower. And that might switch if I'm going to volume, maybe I will do some strength stuff. You can mess around with it. I think you can get sometimes the best of both worlds, not too far um, in one or the other. But um, I think the way you said it though, keep for Olympic lifting, I think the overall theme that I think I, I think would be smart to go with and would be more sets, less reps, and then kind of mess around with the, uh, the intensity um, from, from that point forward. Yeah. Um, the overall purpose of Olympic lifting is speed. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like eccentric strength because the hardest part of those lifts is the eccentric portion. Um, you know, if you, if you never Olympic lift and you walk up to a barbell on the ground, but you deadlift, then you know how to do the first pull of an Olympic lift. You've already learned it. Um, but the hard part is the catch. Um, and that's, that's where eccentric strength really comes into play. And, um, so I do think, you know, like, like we've been saying that it's very, it's, it's highly skilled. Um, it's not something you want to overload until you learn the skill. Um, the whole overall purpose is speed. Um, it transfers to sport performance, um, total body movements. Now, of course, there's a big difference between a snatch and a clean in terms of the catch, right? Basically an identical lift aside from hand position until you get to the catch, right? And then the catch, you're either catching it on a front rack or you're catching it in an overhead squat position. And, you know, let's talk about the difference between those two quickly in terms of how we 
would or wouldn't program them into anything for anything just because we have the time so what's your feeling on programming um cleans and snatches into someone who wants to olympic lift well i think you just that's that's the huge question is it someone that wants to olympic lift you know if for me just a straight athlete that you know you just have a wrestler or football player yeah yeah that's what i mean that's what i mean not not literally like an olympic lifter um someone like just an athlete that you think would benefit from olympic lifting that has um that that plays a sport that would benefit from high power high force output olympic movements how would you just gut instinct program olympic lifting or implement those those types of lifts whether it's a clean clean and jerk or a snatch and variations like what would that look like yeah first it would just be start out super super light like you said before you're going to probably just use like a dowel rod some sort of stick start with there maybe progress to um maybe some different modalities whether using a kettlebell just get that movement down and maybe progress into the barbell and then barbell you put some weight on um, I, I'm not going to speak a lot on a snatch. I never really snatched to me. It wasn't applicable for sport. the, the amount of time that I would have, I would have took to teach myself to snatch, right. It would have been pointless. I'm not That's saying it was, what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's pointless, but for me, on a, I mean, I, and there was other reasons, you know, I had horrible shoulders, um, throughout sport. So the, again, the risk versus the reward of teaching myself to snatch, it literally would have just been to learn how to snatch. Yeah. You know, um, cleans, I, I, I did, a, I, I cleaned a fair share. I think, um, I think they're a little bit easier to teach and um, definitely think you can, uh, definitely think they can be beneficial as well. But yeah, I don't, I would probably explain to them, hey, at this point, we're probably not gonna, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole I feel the same way. And the way that I feel about um, snatching as it relates to Olympic lifts and the benefit has definitely changed over time. But as I've gotten some more experience and been around more athletes, I feel the same way that uh, it takes, it would take way too long to teach somebody to snatch efficiently to the point that to the point that you can overload it and actually get a physiological benefit from it. So in my in my opinion, and um, you know, it sounds like in both of our opinions, um, a snatch is really primarily beneficial for someone who wants to improve in the snatch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, because you're li- it's literally the same exact movement and muscle groups aside from the overhead squat position, which we can discuss that relevance, maybe a different time, but it's the same exact energy system, muscle groups and movement as a clean. Mm -hmm. And you can vary the starting position. You can vary the depth of the catch. You can power, you can full squat, you can um, change the speed, you can change pauses, you can do all the same stuff that you can with a clean, but you don't have put the athlete at risk by having them try to um, perfectly catch a 200 pound barbell or whatever, you know, whatever it is, 
over their head in um, an overhead squat position. So I don't, I don't see the point to snatching for an athlete who just needs strength power. They don't need to do it um, mm-hmm. as a way to maybe change up, you know, some of their interval work. Sure. I mean, throw in some maybe dumbbell snatches. Yeah, um, I don't have a yeah. problem with that. I just, there, when, when choosing between a snatch or a clean, um, I, I've, I've come to feel that a snatch is primarily beneficial for someone who wants to improve their snatch. Mm-hmm. Whereas a snatch and a clean, if, if the athlete has the skill to perform both, sure, they could both be beneficial. But the time that it would take to teach somebody to perform a snatch correctly, like you said, is almost not worth um, uh, the reward that comes from it because you can teach the clean in significantly less time and put the athlete at significantly less risk um, of injury. Um, they don't need to. They don't need to have quite as much skill to perform a clean. Yeah, snatch is yeah. much more highly skilled. Yeah, and you. I mean, for and for an athlete, if sports their primary. That's their primary focus. You know, they're not, they're not powerlifters. They're not Olympic lifters. Um, there's a means to an end in the weight room. The weight room is to pretty much bulletproof them, try to help injury, and you cannot. That does not take t- that shouldn't. The weight room really shouldn't take anything away, in my opinion, from the sport itself. And if you're if, if we're in there trying to teach. Um, an athlete to snatch for 45 minutes out of an hour session. It's like, you know, what, what did you just get out of that? I mean, to sit and that's, and this is on a per, this is me speaking on a personal level, what I, what I felt, what I went through um, doing sport and because I never got taught how to snatch. I literally, I probably, I would not teach someone how to snatch because my snatch looks pathetic. Um, So I wouldn't even dabble down that road. And there's a reason for that. Um, Some of the people that I have worked with, um, we just train using different, like you said, different modalities. And one of them, like you said, was just a simple dumbbell snatch. It mm-hmm. pretty much same movement pattern. You just, the risk or the, uh, you take out that barbell over your head and the risk of injury, I think is shoots way down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I couldn't agree more. And I mean, like I said, my opinion on, on that has changed a little bit over time, but, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's vital that if an athlete is going to snatch and load a snatch, they know how to do it. And, you know, that can take years to teach correctly to the point that you're overloading it and attempting to, you know, hit new numbers, you know, um, it's definitely, you know, and then that with that, you have to teach an athlete how to, successfully um miss a snatch which which can be very dangerous you know you have to teach an athlete how to bail on a snatch at different parts throughout the lift safely because Mm -hmm. it could if you are attempting to hit a new number um you know that that lift can go wrong at a few different places and you need to know how to safely get out of it if um if that happens. So there's a lot of learning that goes along with the snatch, um, that in like, a, like a mainstream box gym shouldn't necessarily force people or program for people to, to do it. 
unless um, that skill is learned. And that's, that's a, that's pretty standard. And it's nice to see that people are starting to feel that way about it. And it, that is, that is what I'm, I'm seeing a little bit, but um, you know, we also see it manifest in, uh, in ways that are unsafe and in ways that kind of put people at that increased risk. But um, you know, and that's the other, the other thing when it comes to lifts like this and also, you know, squats, deadlifts and overhead presses and, and, um, um, horizontal presses. It's the same, it's the same way. If you and me are working out together and there's 10 other people working out all, all bench pressing or all deadlifting, there might be a small tendency to overload the barbell because, you know, John Doe next to you <laughs> is lifting a little bit more weight. Uh-huh. Right. And, and it just, it's just the way it is. So nature of the beast on that one. That's the way, that's the way we're built, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when that happens with these more complex movements that can get really scary. So that's, that's where I don't like to see. And I've, I've actually been in some uncomfortable positions as a coach, um, almost like forcing people to not look, not load the bar when they really want to load the bar mm-hmm. because so-and-so next to them is lifting a certain weight. You know, it, it's, it puts you in a hard position in that more group exercise environment. It's, it's a little more challenging to, um, to navigate that, but um, you know, it's, it's your, it's your job as a coach to do that. And, you know, as an athlete, you also have to be mindful of, and be completely honest with yourself in terms of the skill that you either have or don't have. So, um, I guess before, before we completely wrap up, let's, let's talk about some other modalities or ways to train for Olympic lifts, ways to train around them, alternatives to it. Um, I'll let you start. Go ahead. Yeah, this is probably a little bit more in my realm. I, uh, as I said before, I think Olympic lifting, or I didn't even say that. I think Olympic lifting is definitely more your scope. I think you have dabbled in the Olympic lifts way more than I have. Like I said, I have uh, I have messed with the snatch very, very minimal. Um, I have some. I obviously have cleaned, um, so kind of falls in kind of nicely because I always had to use I I use different ways to accomplish the same the same goal. Yeah. And, um, as we said before, the point of uh, Olympic movement is to be fast. It's a dynamic movement. So I think we, for a clean, I always love the, uh, just a kettlebell clean. You can, kettlebell cleans, it's, I think it's, a, it's way easier to teach. Um, and if you do fail, I don't think the, it's not going to be as catastrophic. You don't have as much weight in your arms. You know, it's usually just one hand you're cleaning. And, um, and the same goes with uh, a kettlebell snatch. Um, you can do the same exact movement, except now you're just catching it over your head. Um, and then with that being said, also a dumbbell, you can do, uh, you can get the uh, another good one. And um, it's kind of hard to explain. Essentially, you're down on the floor, you're on your knees, you have a, uh, you have a broomstick just hanging like you're gonna clean and you pull that up to a snatch position as you try to jump onto your feet. So essentially it's that same explosive movement, but it's on weighted. So essentially if you don't get the weight over your head, you're either just gonna, 
you're not going to land on your feet or you're going to drop a broomstick on your head. You know, it's not, it's not going to be anything wild, but you're st- again, the point is that you're moving fast. Uh, and then another, so some other good ones too, because a lot, what, what are you doing in a, all these movements? You're extending at the hip, ankle and knee. Exactly. Yeah. And um, jumping, just jump, you know, a box jump. I, a huge component of just box jumps and you can do them so many different ways. You can uh, squat down to a box where you let your feet come off the floor a little bit. Now these you got to be careful with because see now I, I can talk a little bit more because when I, we talk about Olympic lifting, I kind of get my foot in my mouth because I never really did them. Um, so it's uh, you would sit on a box, let your feet come off the ground. As soon as you make impact again on the ground, you're jumping to the box that's in front of you. Um, these are going to be done super low reps, maybe like two, because they, they are pretty taxing. Jumping can be taxing on your nervous system a little bit, so mess around with those. Um, long jumps, just standing broad jumps. You're standing at the hip, ankle, knee. Um, where are you laughing? I'm laughing because I already made some notes on alternatives, and you're literally reading off my list. I, I have written down here kettlebells, dumbbells, box jumps and variations, single leg landings and takeoffs, hurdles, broad jumps, plyometric anything, squat jumps, dowel rods, throws. <laughs> yeah, man, it's the list is endless. And like I said, I could talk all day here because I did not, I always trained around Olympic lifting. Um, and there's a reason for that, you know. Uh, for me, I'd rather, I do enjoy going heavy and clean. I know we said it's about dynamic, but I always enjoyed doing cleans for weight. I don't know why. Um, I still mess around with them a little bit, but, and then just medicine ball work. I'm a huge proponent of uh, med ball slams. Um, Throws. Throw, exactly. I was just going to say the slams you're not really getting. And, but you can, because when you bring the ball up overhead, you could come up on your, your extent, you can extend your ankle, hip and knee, and then make sure when you slam that it's coming down, you come all the way back up again. So you can still get that triple extension, no different on a throw. Um, a good one that I, you can start is uh, a throw where you're just, you're laying up, you're sitting on your knees, right? And just sit on your knees, let your butt hit your ankles, and then you extend all the way out as your throw. So it's fully extending at your hip and your knee will extend and you're pretty yeah, much falling yeah. into your chest. Um, so the list is endless on these. Or like you could overhead throw, like throw it behind yourself take yeah, a couple of steps, go grab the ball again, throw it exactly. over your head again. And yeah. I mean, if the, if the, what's nice about um, a slam ball or a med ball is they can get pretty darn heavy. So, and they're safe. They're a lot safer than a barbell. So you can even clean it completely from the floor, just clean it over your shoulder and then yeah. turn around and clean it over the other shoulder. And then you can just, you're literally standing in place cleaning a hundred pound ball over your shoulder, which honestly is probably pretty darn tough compared to a barbell because it's variable resistance. That's not going to be a perfectly distributed hundred pounds wherever you grab the ball. You know what I just thought of when you said that a sandbag. Yeah. That was like the first thing that came to my mind when you said um, a variable resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Sandbags are great too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I also, you know, I just want to mention, that we basically have the same exact list, which is crazy, but single leg landings and takeoffs, I think are easier to teach once you learn how to jump. Like you said, there's a big neurological component to jumping and it can be pretty taxing, but 
once that's learned and it's a lot easier to learn that, let's be clear, it's a lot easier and safer to learn that compared to barbell Olympic lifts. So once that's learned, you can start getting a little bit more highly skilled with single leg landings, for example, onto or off of boxes. You can use hurdles. So any type of quick jump, very fast change of direction, you're still training that same system. Um, broad jumps I also had. And then you can basically make any movement plyometric in nature if you're incorporating some sort of quick throw and quick absorption of energy. So a push-up, for example, is just like the easiest way to think about how to make something plyometric. So you're doing a push-up, your hands are on the floor. If you push hard enough that you can clap your hands together mm -hmm. and you're you're incorporating some you're incorporating a plyometric adaptation or form of that of that exercise. Right. So if you apply that to any movement, you can make it plyometric, which in a way, you know, now, now that's just a push-up, for example, but if you do that with any form of lunges, forward lunges, reverse lunges, side lunges, single leg squats, squat jumps, if you do that with any type of lower body, then you have exactly what you just alluded to is you have extension of the hip knee ankle in a forceful manner. And you mm -hmm. also need to absorb the jump. So you're working on eccentric strength as well. Now it's just your body weight, but you're getting the same exact adaptation as an Olympic lift without having to learn the skill of the barbell movement. So oh. go ahead. No, I can just, I can hear someone asking, but I want an Olympic lift. Like you're giving us all these modalities, but you're not Olympic lifting. Yeah, we know that. And okay. the reason that we're saying that is because if you want to learn how to Olympic lift, I think that's what you want to know how to do. You know, that's that's what your goal is going to be. You want to learn how to Olympic lift because you want to learn how to Olympic lift. If if you if your point of an Olympic lift is to be dynamic and fast, these are what we're talking about, and these are the modalities that we're saying is to still get the same purpose, just using a different route. Yeah, and I think that's more easily conveyed to an athlete than it is in a more commercial setting. So in a more commercial setting, if everybody's cleaning and snatching, and then you have a group of people who you don't do it with, they're going to start to get mad. <laughs> you yeah, know? That's exactly what came to my mind. Yeah. But in, uh -huh. in more athlete setting, they see the value because they're, they're staying safe in the weight room. And what you said is perfect. Where, where is it? You said, the weight room shouldn't take away from the sport itself. So if you're spending too much time teaching a movement, they're going to start to feel an athlete. They're going to start to feel um, like they're not getting benefit from the weight room to apply it to their sport. So they'll see that benefit. And it's a little different in the commercial setting. They might want that extra attention to learn a snatch. And if that's what they want, commercial setting, they're coming to your gym, they're paying you for it. That's what you got to do. Um, you have to do your best to keep it safe. Um, and, and teach the skill before overloading it. But, um, you know, there are going to be differences in those two different settings, but the athlete will typically, typically see the benefit. Um, and then of course they'll see the benefit in performance as well. So that makes, that makes them really buy into your program a little bit, but it's, it's definitely important to know what to do, how to do it, how to provide alternatives and really, 
get people to buy into what you're teaching them. So that's why I, I would say that's why we really had these discussions, these past three parts um, to how, you know, as to how we can incorporate different types of movements, either within a hypertrophy program or include a hypertrophy program around the skill of a movement itself and what that movement should look like within that specific block. I think it's an important discussion to have. Um, I don't know. This was a really cool episode. I like this little series. Um, so we'll do stuff like this a little bit more often. Do you have anything else? We're kind of, we're at our, our time, but you got anything? No, I think, uh, I like that. I, uh, like I said, I don't think I had, you definitely were on the realm of Olympic lifts. I kind of talked in circles with that, but I definitely have, uh, and it can work. And I think just because you're not Olympic lifting does not mean you're, you're not accomplishing anything. Um, that's right. all I had. It was a good, it was a good talk and, uh, we'll chat next time. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, real quick. Cause I forgot this in the intro. If you want to, um, find us on social, check us out at Hill pursuit. You can send us an email hillpursuit at gmail.com. And then our website, hillpursuit.com. You can access this episode and all 32 previous episodes of the podcast, along with our daily blog about fitness training life, everything in between. And then, um, the podcast is streaming on Spotify, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. So check it out. Like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. And thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time.